Good morning. So reading from Mark chapter 4. Mark 4. Again he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into a boat on the sea and sat down, while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. He taught them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. When the sun came up, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns came up and choked it and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60 and 100 times. Then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. He answered them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those outside everything comes in parables, so that they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise they might turn back and be forgiven. Then he said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. Some are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They are short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. He also said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed? Isn't it to be put on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing concealed that will not be brought to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him listen. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and more will be added to you. For whoever has, more will be given to him. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. The kingdom of God is like this, he said. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, although he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the full grain on the head. As soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed, that when sown upon the soil is the smallest of all the seeds on the ground, and when sown it comes up and grows taller than all the garden plants, and produces large branches so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. He was speaking the word to them with many parables like these, as they were able to understand. He did not speak to them without a parable. 
Privately, however, he explained everything to his own disciples. On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat, and other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. Then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. morning again. Uh, as I said, it's great to be with you this morning, and it's, I've really been enjoying working through Mark's gospel as we seek to understand who Jesus is. Uh, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, or whether you're exploring, or even whether you're sceptical, I, I love that Mark's gospel just presents Jesus in the reality of this world, in the messiness of this world. And as we saw last week and into this week, Lots of people are actually not getting on board with Jesus. That uh, they're not really inspired by him, and yet others are following him in great crowds. Uh, they're just kind of a testimony to to the reality and and the gritty history of God made known among us in Jesus. Now, I've uh, I've spoken to a number of skeptics in my time, whether it be in my scripture classes, and you get some real kind of like just honest skepticism. I love it actually, um, or, or with the adults. And one of the things that I've heard is that if Jesus appeared to me right now, I'd believe. And I totally get that, right? I mean, I don't believe in fairies in my garden because there are no fairies in my garden. I can't see them. Uh, sorry if that's a spoiler. Uh, and so why would I believe in this Jesus who I can't see? I mean, I believe in technology. I mean, I say, hey, Siri, turn my coffee machine on. Boom, I'm a believer. Uh, I don't understand it, but I love it, and it works. And we live in this instant kind of, you know, kind of uh, just, it, it works, if it works for me kind of culture. And what is Jesus doing in that? The Jesus we read about in the Bible, we can't see. And so, why should I believe in Him? It's a really good question. And I'm not going to answer that in full, but, but perhaps one of the pebbles in the shoe of someone who holds to that is the very fact that, that many saw Jesus, even the, the wonderful miracles and the great teaching that people flocked to hear, many saw that, heard that, and did not believe. Last week, Cole uh, read from uh, Mark chapter 3, and uh, we saw kind of the, the conflict starting to heighten. Uh, you know, we had kind of that moment where he healed uh, someone uh, with, with, a, uh, with a, a decrepit hand, and yet uh, Jesus says, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save life or kill? Of course it's good to do good. And he, and he heals that person, and in that very moment, the Pharisees plan to kill him because 
Jesus is not part of their program. Or, or a little bit later, uh, as Jesus kind of uh, speaks to the crowd and his parents are there and his family are there, uh, they think he is out of his mind. And then a little bit later, just recapping from last week, uh, we, we have this moment where people think that Jesus is working by the power of Satan. <laughs> now, if I was Jesus, you know, God revealed to us in flesh, I tell you what, I would be furious. Here I am, the King of Kings, the King of the Kingdom breaking through into the world, and I've just shown you how amazing kind of God's Kingdom is. I've just shown you how I love, and you accuse me of being out of my mind. You're trying to kill me, and you accuse me of, you know, the most treacherous claim, of being one with Satan. And, and yet, Jesus does not get furious. He seems to understand that as the kingdom of God breaks through into the world, it just does not operate on the same terms that we're used to. He seems to understand the human heart. He's not swayed by kind of the ups and downs of us. He's not put off or dismayed like I would be. Why he understands this and how he sees the kingdom of God breaking through is resolved in this chapter. And it's kind of one of the biggest blocks of teaching in Mark's Gospel. Uh, if you've got a red letter Bible as I do, you can see kind of like there's just solid red and most of, most of the rest of Mark is kind of little bits of red scattered. So we should pay attention to this block of teaching as Jesus reveals, as he says, the secret of the Kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to get a chance to do the whole chapter. In fact, I'm just going to look at the first parable because I think that unlocks the rest of the chapter and the rest of Mark. And so, let's, uh, let's get into this. These four parables, and particularly this first one, is helping us see how the kingdom of God is breaking through. Now, you can see Mark sets the scene for us. Um, it's quite an interesting scene. Uh, Jesus teaching by the sea, a large crowd gathers. Uh, so he gets out onto a boat on the sea and, and, and speaks to this crowd. And, uh, and he says to them, listen, and gives them this kind of agricultural lesson. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, at one level, it's a pretty straightforward thing that he's telling them. Uh, that there is a sower, he asks them to imagine, and the sower is sowing seeds uh, all over the place, in fact. It's kind of like, maybe if I was a sower, that's what I'd be doing, just like, bit on there, bit on the path, uh, bit in the thorns. Uh, I'm not much of a gardener, but there is this sower who is sowing seeds in all of these places. And as, um, as the seeds grow, uh, Jesus helps us see how the seeds grow or otherwise. So, for those that sell, uh, fell on the path, the birds came and devoured it. You shouldn't have put the seeds on the path, maybe. Uh, the other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it didn't have much soil. It grew up quickly, since the soil wasn't deep, uh, but then it, the sun came up, scorched it, there was no root, and they withered away. Other seed fell on the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. And still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. Cool story, Jesus. <laughs> what is he talking about? I mean, I guess it's a simple story, but it could be about anything. I mean, is Jesus getting into kind of the agricultural thing? Is it, I mean, it was very contextual uh, in Palestine where he was preaching. But there's more to this, as you might imagine. And the fact that he has begun it and ended it with listen, and that kind of little kind of hook, let anyone who has ears to hear 
listen. Well, they've all got ears, but what's he saying? Well, the disciples, a little bit afterwards, when he was alone with Jesus, and actually a few others as well, uh, we, we get this, this hint that there are others with the disciples. Um, they ask him about it. They're like, cool story, Jesus. You preached up a storm today. It was so good. What, what did it mean? <laughs> and that's, that's so, so me, I think. It's kind of like, I really liked what you were saying. I didn't understand any of it, though. Could, could you help me understand? And, and Jesus indulges them. He actually explains. And so he says, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Okay. But to those outside, everything comes in parables. And then comes this very strange, even confronting moment. As he quotes the ancient prophet Isaiah, who's you know, back here in the Old Testament, uh, Jesus says this, may they, they may indeed look and yet not perceive. They may indeed listen and yet not understand. Otherwise, they might turn back and be forgiven. What on earth is going on here? I mean, the Jesus I know is a Jesus who is gracious to all, who is quick to forgive. And yet he seems to be saying here, I'm speaking in parables, so the insiders get the, you know, the understanding, and the outsiders, well, we don't want them to understand, because otherwise, otherwise they might get forgiven. It, does that square with you? It, it doesn't sit well with me, if I understood it like that. Now, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah. These are the exact words that God gave Isaiah, this great prophet, after he was commissioned in that kind of tremendous scene in the temple. Isaiah chapter 6, if you want to look at it later. Uh, now, where it's important to understand, as Jesus understands, what was happening for Isaiah at that point. Because Isaiah came this far through the Old Testament, and, and for this part, God has been pursuing His people who are obstinate, who have rejected God. And what does it look like for a loving father to pursue his children who continually reject them, the father? But that's what's been happening. God has sent prophet after prophet. He has spoken through the kings and sought to establish a kingdom that is for their benefit and for his glory. And yet they have rejected him time and time again. And so we get to this moment in Isaiah where Isaiah says, send me, I will go for you. And then God says, well, I want you to say this. What, what does it look like when the God of mercy is rejected? When, when God pursues them in love and, and God's people say, no thanks, what's left? It, it is actually this, you could even read it, it's this broken-hearted God moment where He says, Isaiah, I want you to send the, the same message I've been sending the whole time. That, that, that I'm here for you, but now that you don't want that, it's like you don't want forgiveness, well, there will be no forgiveness. You, you, could, you could read this kind of part as something like, for example, uh, so they may indeed see but not perceive, may indeed hear but not understand, because the last thing you want is to turn and be forgiven. That's what Jesus is doing here. He, he is the King of kings, the glory of heaven made known on earth, and there He is in the middle of everyone. Everyone can see Him, and yet not also. <laughs> there are some who see Jesus and say, He's more than a teacher. He, he's more than a healer. He is the forgiver of my sins. And there are others who see Jesus, and they just see Him doing party tricks. They just see Him as the blesser of their needs. 
They don't see who Jesus really is, and Jesus knows that. And so as he shares these parables, it's going to split the crowd in half through this one act of sharing the parables. Indeed, as God shares the Word in Jesus, it splits the crowd down in half. Those who actually lean in, who listen, who even ask, Jesus, could you tell me more? You've kind of... You've, You're moving me and I want to believe, but help me in my unbelief. And then there are others who are just like, cool story. (laughs) I'm just going to get on with the rest of my life. Or or kind of even be healed. Like, yes, I'm healed. See you, Jesus. (laughs) Do you see what's happening here? In God's revelation of himself in Jesus, he is simultaneously the aroma of Christ, the, the kind of the newness of life revealed, and he's also the stench of death to those who actually don't want to be forgiven, who don't care for God. So Jesus is not trying to push them away. He's just saying, I know the heart of man. I'm not coming here to force them. I'm coming to draw them in, but if they want to turn away from me, then all that left is is unforgiveness, separation from God. But just to remind us that Jesus does really want to draw us in, He then says to the disciples, let me help you understand the parable. And he goes through and helps us see how he's not teaching an agricultural lesson. He doesn't want us to be better farmers or sowers. Uh, No, he wants us to understand our heart as he understands our heart. He wants us to see that kind of our heart is kind of like soil. And and the the, the seed is, is the Word of God. It is the good news of Jesus. It is Jesus himself being scattered across all hearts. But not all are going to respond to him with the, with, the, with the fertile soil that we see in that last one. So let's spend a little bit of time just kind of looking at these different uh, soils. Just catch up a little bit here. Uh, and uh, as we ask the question, what's growing in your heart? And so the first soil uh, is, is the path. Uh, and... As you, as you can imagine, uh, the, the, the path you know, has seeds sown on it. It, it, doesn't, it can't go anywhere. It just sits on the top there, just kind of like you know, a shining beacon for any hungry bird. And sure enough, down they come and, and eat it. Jesus says, uh, some are like the word sown, the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. It, 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 never, it never even penetrated their heart. It was just on the surface. And, and again, Jesus is helping us to see that this is a, there is a spiritual world here. Okay? Satan really is prowling around. And kind of the most foolish thing we can do is pretend that that whole world doesn't exist. And so there's the kind of the Word of God sitting on top of our, our life, our heart. Hasn't penetrated in and Satan's just like, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> you don't want it. But as we think about this, this path for a moment... The, the path is kind of, it's, it's the hardened earth, isn't it? Because it's, it's constantly trampled on. And when we think about why would our hearts be hardened against the Word of God? We, we, we might think about how we've been trampled on. I can think of many sad stories of, of people who have been really let down by Christians. And the reason they don't have anything to do with the Word of God with the church, with Jesus, is because they have been trampled on, even abused by those who claim to be of God. Of course they are hardened. 
Maybe, maybe that might be you here today. Maybe you coming through the doors of this church or, or watching online could, could be actually a most courageous act of faith because you are hardened against the church, against Jesus because of what you've seen, because of what someone's done to you. If that is you here, keep listening. I'm really glad you're here. The others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the Word, uh, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root, they are short-lived, and when distress or persecution comes because of the Word, they immediately fall away. And so here's a picture of someone's heart who is kind of, uh, you know, they come to church perhaps, they hear about Jesus, they're super excited. I mean, actually, just remember the crowd that Jesus is speaking to. There's a whole bunch of people in the crowd who have just heard about Jesus. Oh, I'm in Team Jesus, love that guy, just healed my hand, so on board. Uh, so that could be you, it could be the person in the crowd. Jesus knows what's going on in your heart. A- and kind of your, your, your kind of short-term burst of joy does not necessarily indicate what's happening in your heart. Th- these are the people who are on board with kind of the the therapeutic version of God. Uh, that is, this God to these people are like kind of the, the hashtag blesser. Like, you know, just the, the kind of, you know, I'm, I'm on a nice holiday, uh, this is a gift from God, I'm, I'm loving God right now, hashtag blessed on your Instagram. Uh, but what happens if that's, if that's the depth of your faith? A- a- and you go to work and you say, you just mentioned that you went to church on Sunday and then nobody wants to talk to you. Uh, or... or, or your hashtag blessed life actually dries up for a moment and you lose your job or, or, or kind of you get COVID or, or any number of things right happen in this life, what then? If the depth of your faith is just kind of like fair weather, you know, God is good when it's good, then in the reality of this world, in the messiness and brokenness of this world, when persecution arises, the sun comes out and scorches this plant that's grown up so quickly because it has no roots. It hasn't actually broken through into the depth of your heart, it's just on the surface. And again, Jesus knows who you are. He's speaking to the crowd, the real people in front of Him, He's speaking to people right now. There's a third type of heart, a third soil. Others, He says in verse 18, are like seed sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the Word, but the, uh, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things enter in and choke the Word and it becomes unfruitful. Uh, this, one, this one, this one's pretty real for me actually. Uh, who here is busy? No, don't do that, everyone's busy, right? It's kind of like, how, how are you? I'm busy. <laughs> In fact, we stop saying busy because it's just, we know that's the first answer and we get on to say something else, like, good. <laughs> um, we have so many distractions in our heart. There are so many things that we are living for. And by that I mean, like, when, when, when kind of the thing you're living for kind of falls apart or is in threat, your whole world is on fire. And Jesus is saying, if that's you, just be aware that kind of as the Word of God grows in you. It's in competition with a whole bunch of other things that you're living for. It's like you have lots of gods, Jesus is saying. And and those other gods, they don't play nice, I mean, gods tend to consume us. And our, our choice is actually, is this God, the God of the Bible, worth giving our whole life to? 
you're kind of answering that question in all kinds of functional ways, in the way that you live for wealth, the deceitfulness of wealth, it says. See the sneaky kind of, not just wealth, but the deceitfulness of wealth? If you live for money, you are never going to have enough. You are going to be constantly pursuing it. You're going to be constantly worried about how kind of the markets are trending right now. There are so many desires that are eating away at your life. It's like you want the good life and you're doing your level best to pursue it, but it is always out of reach. Now, the reason I said this one's kind of pretty real for me is because one of the greatest dangers for me in ministry is to get busy in ministry. Uh, it was one of the things that they said to us uh, in first year at Moore College, at, at this Bible college I went to, uh, the, the danger of being in sort of full-time ministry is that that becomes my faith, uh, that I actually am not listening to the, to the Word of God for myself, but I'm just busy doing kind of word things, and all of a sudden, I'm getting choked out. And there are stories after stories of ministers who just get to the point where they've like fallen out of love with God. In fact, that's from Revelation 2. That, that's a kind of, that's a, 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 what Jesus says to the church in Ephesus. He, he says, uh, your, your love is, is amazing, your love for others, but, but you've lost your first love. You're not in love with me anymore. And is that not a danger in our church, actually? that we get busy with kind of programs and kind of you know, events and all kinds of stuff, and we pat ourselves on the back like we're doing really good, but we're actually choking out the freshness of, of responding to Jesus. In this um, book uh, written by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he speaks about how he was a minister of a megachurch, and, and he stepped back from all of that to lead a much smaller church, to take time out with God and to, and to write books. And one of the things that stood out to me is that he, he talked about his staff meetings, and my staff need to turn off their ears for a moment here. Um, he said our staff meetings were so busy, we were so busy planning all these things for God uh, that we forgot to just listen to how God was leading us. Now, do turn your ears on staff, I think we need to hear this. It's just they know that I'm like this. <laughs> But there's a fourth type of soil, and this type of soil, uh, Jesus says, and those seed someone on good ground, hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what is sown. <laughs> now, obviously, Jesus is, is, is leading to this bit. He, he wants us to when he said it, as he told the parable at the beginning, he said, uh, he said, listen. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear, listen. And now he says, to those, like, I seed someone on good ground, hear the Word of God. And not just kind of like hear it, like, you know, you listen to your mom, yeah, I got it, no worries, yeah. Uh, but no, listen and, and, and let it see, soak into your heart and, and you live it. And that's what it means to, to welcome it in. And then you will find the Word of God actually produces a harvest of righteousness in you. Now, here's the kind of tricky bit, right? As we think about the good soil, I mean, who wants to be the good soil? Yeah, sure. Uh, but just as I've gone through these things, a whole bunch of things come up. One, you might identify with so many of these other soils. And, and, and as you hear, particularly from the good book, any idea of sort of being a good soil, being a good Christian, you'd be like, I have fallen so far short of that. 
It's interesting to think about soil trying to change itself, right? Like I've got plenty of clay soil in my garden. Uh, actually, it's really muddy right now. It can't just change itself into good soil. What's got to happen? It, it needs a gardener. Uh, my wife is an excellent gardener. I just try and follow along. Um, but it needs a good gardener. Friends, if you find yourself in any one of these other soils, if you identify with any one of these, God is always rich in mercy. And you know what? He's asking you right now to listen to Him. God, I, I, help me in my unbelief. Uh, would, would, you, would you work my soil? Would, would you turn me over? Would you would you loosen me up that I might be receptive to you above all things? The other thing that's interesting here is that while we aspire to the good soil, it, it sort of it, it, it paints such a picture of kind of like there's just this good soil, there it is, it's ready to go. <laughs> but anyone who is good soil knows that they've been turned over, that they've been ploughed that they've had work done in their hearts by the gardener. I mean, you ask Lee, who stood up here. Sorry, Lee, I'm just pointing you out. It, 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 she, she talked about the, the hardness of this season, but how in faith people lifted her up in prayer, how she continued to seek God, and how God persevered her through this season. You ask anyone who looks like good soil and ask them what God's been teaching them in the hard seasons and how they've become good soil. It's not of them. <laughs> Everything is by the grace of God. And when you think about it, that, that this kind of, this sower who so indiscriminately sows seeds on all of the soils, I mean, if I was the sower, I'd be like, well, I'm just going to sow on the good soil over here because the rest of the soil is rubbish. Uh, but, but Jesus, he, he's, not just a, he's not a rubbish sower. He, he's sharing this deliberately to say, no, the rain falls on the righteous and the wicked, and my grace is for everyone. But if you don't want it, it'll just sit on the top. It'll be eaten up by the birds. It'll be choked out by the weeds. But if you want, I will turn the soil. I will plough it. I will make you good soil. And the result will be a fruitfulness. And the emphasis there is on how the Word how the seed grows, not how we better ourselves, but how by the grace of God, the Word given to us produces a fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Here is a picture of human flourishing. Here is a picture of what we were made for. What does that fruitfulness look like? Because again, some of us might be feeling like, well, <laughs> I'm not producing 30, 60, 100 times what was sown in me. I'm feeling a bit fruitless right now. What does fruitfulness look like? It looks like being made to be more like Jesus. It looks like loving God and loving your neighbor. It looks like sowing the seed yourself, uh, making disciples of all nations. It looks like growing in the fruits of the Spirit, like kindness and gentleness, forbearance, self-control, love, joy, peace, all of that. Have you tried growing those things by yourself? I mean, every time I've asked for patience, it does not end well. <laughs> but every time I look to Jesus and see the way He is patient, He does a work in me that I might be more like Him. 
And that's what Jesus is asking of us. No matter what soil you are, no matter where your heart is right now, Jesus is sowing a seed across all of us so that we might respond by listening. That we might have ears and hear. That we might have eyes and perceive. And if you feel like you've sort of been around Jesus or seen Him from a distance, but, but, you, you kind of, but you're like this other half of the crowd that see but don't perceive... Simply ask God to help you in your unbelief. Listen to Him. Ask someone to help you read through some of His Word that you might get to know what He's really like because there is so much kind of, uh, sort of, what do I say here? Like, people have all kinds of perceptions of Jesus that's made up from you know, Christian school experiences that weren't well, perhaps, or, or kind of or what you're hearing in the media, or what you saw a Christian do once. Let us get back to the Word of God, that we might respond to Him. Now, Jesus brought the disciples into the inner loop by saying, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Jesus is bringing them into the secret of the kingdom, that the mystery revealed that this Jesus, the one that they are speaking to, is the King of Kings. It is the way that God is breaking His kingdom through to the world. And it's the kind of the smallest of seeds that's going to grow into something extraordinary. Uh, it would be so easy to miss. Jesus just looks like another kind of, you know, pretty great person, but it just looks like another person. But actually, He is God among us. And if you keep listening to Him, you will just see how much the Kingdom of God breaks through. Because the Word of God, Jesus, is powerful. The chapter finishes with, if I could just jump to the end, this moment after the disciples have been listening to Jesus, and they're kind of getting it. Okay, I get it, Jesus. Thanks for, thanks for cluing me in a little bit more. Uh, but just that night that they're kind of, they're on the sea and a lot of these disciples are, you know, battle-hardened fishermen, like they've seen all kinds of things in their life and yet they get stuck in this storm and they are terrified and, and they so much so they say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind and, and the sea, silence, be still, he says. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? <laughs> now, this is the Jesus who can calm storms in a moment. But he won't take over your life unless you invite him in. The Word of God is powerful and He will bring a fruitfulness to your life. He will bring a flourishing to your life that you've been looking for in all kinds of other ways. But will you be willing to have this gardener, uh, this, this Word of God in your life, be all that your life is about, that you might see what God might do in you, how He might use you and work in you to make His kingdom known in your life and to the world? Let me pray. Our Father, You know our hearts already. And so as we come before You, we just want to open ourselves up. Would you, would you help us to listen to You, to, to respond to You, 
For you have left the glories of heaven to pursue us. Let us not be like your ancient people that, that turned away from you, that rejected you, but in a, in a humility and in an openness of heart. Father, would you sow your word? Would you work in us? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.